Welcome to another episode of In Between the Lines with S, uh, with S and J. I'm S. I'm J. And today I will be reviewing Sunday Times bestseller Natives by Carla. Race and class in the ruins of empire. So um, just to start off, just tell us tell us a bit about the author, or did he give a little intro, or did you know what was your what brought you to the book? Why did you want to sort of read this book? I was actually given this book as a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, for my birthday, for I, I didn't know much about Akala other than that um, he's a poet, um, produced rap music as well. Mm. I didn't really follow him, but since reading this book, I've started to follow him a bit more. The movements that he's created, um, interviews he's done on TV, various mm. channels, Channel Four, debates he's had online, mm-hmm. Instagram Live, um, other social media platforms as well. So you hadn't heard of him before? I, I'd heard of him, but I wasn't really. I know quite a few people who followed him, but I didn't. He didn't really have a direct yeah. influence on me. He didn't me. cross your path. Yeah, he didn't cross my path before, no. Right, fair enough. So, um, yeah, what's your first thoughts of the book in general, overall? Just If I'm honest, I actually can't put it down. I'm really enjoying it. Mm. Um, it starts off telling you a bit about Akala mm-hmm. um, growing up in the 1980s as a mixed-race child. Mm. Um, mother was Scottish, dad's Jamaican. So it tells you what it was... Well, he explains what it was like for him, mm. Um when he first encounters racism, I think as early as five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could tell how difficult it was for him going towards his mum and trying to basically say, this is what I experienced. Like, she, I think he mentions she knew this day would come. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much knowing that my, at some point my son's going to experience racism. Okay, okay. Yeah, whereas he's got the mixed heritage, so it's a bit very different. Yeah. Um, so how's the um, how's the book written? Is it a is it easy book to read? Is it is it a thick book? Small? How's it? I think certain chapters, on average, they're about between twenty to forty uh, pages per chapter. But certain chapters are easier to read. Mm-hmm. For example, the first couple, like this first chapter, um, titled "Born in the Nineteen Eighties," mm. that's just giving you a background history on him, his family, his upbringing. So it's very easy to read. Mm-hmm. I would tell people to take their time when they're reading it because mm-hmm. they potentially will come across uh, words and language that they probably haven't heard before. Mm. So if you do, I would just say just pause, put the book down, Google the word, why he's used it to mm. explain what he's explained because I had to do that. There were certain words I came across mm-hmm. and I was thinking, why would you use that term? Okay. But yeah. it's specific usually to what he's trying to describe. Yeah. Um, so what's the sort of uh, demographic? Is he trying to is, it to... is it to everyone? Is it to black men? Is it to men in general or young men? Like, who's he... Who do you think he's trying to target this book towards? I think he's targeting it... I think he's put this book out um, to be relatable for young black men, hmm. mainly. But I, thought, I feel like he's also put it out for people of other backgrounds mm-hmm. to read and understand his history, his heritage... Mm or our heritage as black people in the United Kingdom. He's mm-hmm. not, this book isn't talking about the United States or okay. um, struggle. It's not yeah. talking about, yeah, it's British focus. Okay, okay. Um, British educational system, mm. difficulties he's come across. But it's not, it's not, I would say it's not like other books I've read where it's just all negativity. He's actually explaining as why, as a generation, we're in the situation that we're in. So he doesn't just put the onus, a lot of sort of people when they're, I'd say sometimes activists or people, they try to pin it all on, say, the white man or the Europeans or Western civilization. So he says, he correct me if I'm wrong, he acknowledges what's happened and then he says, look, this has happened, but we should or maybe we could do this to counteract. Is that how we... It's very... Um, 
solution based would you say mm, I don't feel it's well I haven't finished the book mm. I'm three quarters of the way through mm-hmm. but at the moment it's explaining it's explaining certain stereotypes and why they exist mm. for example well I got down that for me the purpose of this book is to examine how race and class have impacted and continue to impact our lives mm. so the impact we've had already mm-hmm. and how moving forward and growing into a man how we will continue to deal with race and the class system on a day-to-day basis being a young black man mm. or young black men both of us mm. so you say yeah so this book is sort of like a i wouldn't say a manual but um, um a an insight into what's happened and what you may expect growing up yeah but well th- he's talking about experiences from the early 90s mm. and they're still relevant to me now mm-hmm. and they're still relevant to teenagers younger than me now the language that was used then some of the slang yeah it's changed terminal it's changed but mm. it still means the same thing some of the situations he's been in mm. are very similar situations to what i've been in mm. and uh close peers of mine growing up so mm. it's not it's very much relatable yeah it's very relatable yeah you could you wouldn't read this as a young black man thinking i don't know what he's talking about or mm. he can't relate to me mm. even though now he mentions how he is quite well off like he's done quite well mm. but he still knows his roots mm. he's not someone who's uh made money and forgets everything forgets where he's come from yeah 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 so um what would you say this is going to be a part two-part um review of the book 100 percent will have to be two parts yeah so um you say he's read three quarters so we'll go halfway today what so far is your um standout chapter or standout yeah, standout chapter, just something stand, something that really stood out, a chapter that really was like, that really, not sold you, but it, it made sense like, to say. Okay, so chapter three, mm. which is titled Special Needs, this chapter is mainly about Akala's experience at school. Um, mm. I believe, yeah, he talks about his primary school and his secondary school. Mm. So he talks about his experiences being mixed at primary and secondary. Mm. Um, he mentions how he was very, a very, very bright child when he was at school. Mm. He was always doing well. But for some unknown reason, well, it's not unknown to us, but his teachers didn't get on with him. Mm. So it got to the point where his confidence really got knocked because okay, okay. he was he would be answering questions or he'd be putting his hand up to answer questions in school teachers and teachers would ignore him. Ignore him. Yeah. And then there was a situation where he mentions how he's explained it to his mum mm. and his mum's come to the school and then the teacher's done the opposite. Every question he's asked, mm. he's aimed it at Akala. He said, oh, you all know the answer to kind of embarrass him and put him down. Say that again. We all know. So, for example, where the the teacher might be asking questions mm. in class and Akala knows the answer to it. Mm. So what would happen? Because no one else answered, he'd shout them out. Oh, like yeah, how yeah. students, like you're yeah, young, yeah. you just shout them out. Yeah. And then... But the, the way the teacher picked on him, mm. at that stage in his life, it wasn't really necessary for mm. a child developing. Mm. Um, so when the teachers told his mum and spoken to his mum, his mum's actually come in mm. and it got to a point where she actually sat and helped in class. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. she sat and helped in class mm. um, when she realised how the teacher was picking on Akala mm. when he was younger. I think, yeah, I remember parents used to be able to, they could sit on like the school board and do, like yeah, the they could come in. Get involved. Especially yeah. if the child was... Sometimes the child was a bit... Because from what he's written, it's effectively... The teacher, the teachers were... Well, one of the teachers got to the point where he was pr- pretty much bullying Akala. 
every question that would come out, he'd mm. ask, he'd be like, oh, well, you know the answer, you're intelligent, or you explain why it's this, you explain why it's that. Uh, and sometimes the teacher was shocked because he actually did know well. and explained it well, which he said aggravated the teachers even more mm. because they don't expect a young, not even a teenager, a young black child to be able to provide the answers that he was providing. Mm. Yeah, I remember in, in school... Um, yeah, sometimes everyone was taking long to answer the questions. I would just shut it out because I was like, well, yeah, no one... And sometimes teachers um, wouldn't ask me questions. And it didn't just happen to me. It happened to other students as well. It was like the same students who wouldn't answer. But, um, yeah, it's sometimes... Sometimes I can see why teachers wouldn't necessarily ask you the question or say for you to give the answer because sometimes they want other students... They say they want other students to answer instead of you being the same person so they say you put your hand down and that does demotivate you because then you're like okay cool i'll just log out and i won't put my hand up for the rest of the lesson and then you kind of you sign out and then if it's something where now you're, you're disengaging from a lesson completely so well, every that, time you see that's that that's what he talks about later on because hmm. you akala was attending a saturday school in tottenham i believe hmm. when he was young hmm. so it got to a point where they put him in a class that's why it's titled special needs was they labelled him as special needs, pretty much. Because he was, what, disruptive? Or they, well, they, they labelled him disruptive, yeah, loud, yeah. The, the normal stereotypes. Because yeah. he says, I'm not sure precisely how it occurred, but at some point during the course of the year, mm. I had ended up in a special needs group outside of regular schooling. So it's not actually, it's a separate class. Oh, wow. Do you remember when we went to school where they had like a separate, I can't remember what it was called, where they basically send kids off that, where you've been expelled from school. Oh, one of those? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I had ended up in a special needs group outside of regular schooling. Mm. These groups were for children with learning difficulties and those whom English was a second language. Oh, yeah, I remember. They used, to, they used to send some of the students that couldn't speak English. They would have to stay like 40 minutes after school sometimes or they'd have extra lessons where they have to pick up on English or do extra maths. And they would... Yeah, it was quite... <clears throat> Yeah, to be to be uh, born in the UK and then have to go to those lessons where you have to do extra English, all these kind of it's like it's kind of degrading. Well, this is what he says. Yeah. Um, because he said I had I neither had learning difficulties nor linguistic challenges. Mm. I could read at the level of young adults, so somehow I do not have, well I do not know how I ended up in this group. But he said he enjoyed it as he they gave him biscuits and hot chocolates every yeah, session. Yeah. That's what they yeah they used to just yeah I remember even students that had quote unquote anger anger issues like them that used to get treated good. They go, they would just Different flip trips out, and, and then yeah, yeah they yeah they used to go on trips like <laughs> they used to get go to the park. I'm sure some of them was doing it on purpose because they would just the teacher would speak so calm to them. Oh, you're all right, you're all right, and then they would you see them in like the welfare room just sitting down, missing out on class. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That was. And he said, yeah, he's. It, it talks about how he stayed there for about a month or two. The Saturday school I was referring to earlier, mm. it was a Pan African Saturday school, mm. um, and they said they noticed a change in his behaviour, which is always a first sign. It changes in. So he would go. He would be distant. Mm. Uh, he wouldn't be as sharp on the ball as he normally would be. So mm. when they spoke to his mum about it, mm. and then that's when his mum got involved. Oh, okay, okay. Just they've been mentioning that. Mm. Um, in fact, if I remember correctly, I don't actually believe they told his mum that he'd be going to that school, the um, special needs group. Mm. He just ended up there. Yeah, I think they used to give letters when I was in school to some students. But um, what was he like in well, this, not trend, but because once you're labelled as that through middle school or through primary school, it's kind of hard to break that. Sometimes you do when you go from like primary school to say mid middle school, 
they do kind of reevaluate you. But once you're in that pool, you're, you're not getting out. Yeah, you're kind of stuck in there for until you get to high school, maybe. Yeah, similar saying that he was sent out, sent out of school for no reason, or sent out of class for no reason. Even on one occasion, hit with a ruler. Um, but similar to situations that I've seen growing up and being in school, mm. teacher the parents are none the wiser. So it comes to parents even and there's a massive shock. Not, oh, okay. They're not being told throughout the year. But then on the flip side, if you're a teacher who doesn't want a child to really achieve, why would you go out of your way to contact <laughs> teachers, uh, contact parents to say, oh, um, your child's fallen a bit behind class. If mm. he's not your priority, you're not going to go that extra mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then can't, yeah, on the other student, side, yeah. it's, the way I see it is, would you really phone home to try and explain that to a black caribbean parent or Mm. parents who you might perceive to be aggressive or take it in a negative way Mm. or take it as oh my child wouldn't be doing this my child wouldn't be that would you would you go through the hassle Mm. so there's all those kind of um thoughts that akala puts out there throughout this section of the book Mm. Mm, yeah yeah because a couple of teachers used to phone home but i think some some teachers used to harass me Uh, i'll never forget this science teacher used to used to phone she phoned home on like a saturday and saying i've been misbehaving she was (laughs) She phoned home on holidays. Was, this was in high school. So primary school was... Um, I can't remember much of primary school, to be honest. Primary school was all right, from what I remember. I think it helps when your parents are supportive. Because from this, from reading this, mm. it seems like Carla's mum, even though even though he was a mixed race, because in the, when it, it talks about when he's at school, how he gets treated differently. Um, for example, this section here, once the, his mum goes to school, she's fuming, she goes down to school, and... Um, she confronts the teacher and the teacher says, said, I admit to tapping him, she said, but it's not because he is and paused. So you know what she, what where she was going. What like, do you it's mean? Not, not because it's not because he was black or it's not oh, because, oh, oh, oh. yeah. And she paused and started. And Akala said what she, I can imagine what she really wanted to say back then was coloured hmm. because they didn't use the term black. Oh. So what she said, um, he got his, um, the teacher smacked him with a ruler. Or whatever, yeah. And then, Carla's gone and told his mum his mom what's going on. She's gone down to the school. And yeah. then she said, what, what's this I'm hearing effectively that like you hit my child? With yeah. And the teacher said, oh, I admit to tapping him. But it's not because he is. Like, yeah. you wouldn't... That's, that, that's that, weird. I you don't, don't need that, parallel. Yeah, exactly. You, doesn't, you don't need to justify... One, you shouldn't be hitting a child anyway. But the justification... I is, think a few, I remember a few students used to get poked with the... Do you remember the meter ruler? Yeah, but I find it... Why is the first thing you've... Yeah, that's you're, weird. You're, you just revealed yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's the way I look you, at you, it. You, you, it wasn't. Yeah. If we put in no perspective, and you're, I don't know, picking a team for rounders, mm. and then I pick, um, there's a white child and a black child left, mm. and I pick the white child, and I say to you, oh, it's not because you're um, um, and I don't want to say it. It's not because you're black. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. make sense. Yeah, yeah. Your was... sporting ability might not be as good as the other child. Yeah. So saying to a parent, oh, I didn't, I hit your child, but it's not because he's black, isn't very competent. So it just shows you how the school system and... That's bookie. Yeah. That, that, that teaches a bit. That teaches bookie. So his, his experiences throughout primary and secondary school are very similar to that. Mm. I think I think every, um, I think every black boy in the UK, maybe even Asian as well, can relate to, and even some white, <clears throat> what high school was like. I think everyone had the same kind of high school experience everyone i think had the same high school experience especially with the teachers what was his what did he say he's not high school secondary school he's saying what was his secondary school experience like was he what did he get kicked out was he 
No, he was he was um, very good. Oh, so he yeah. wasn't he wasn't putting no because there's loads of my friends got sent to seclusion or these internal exclusion. Rooms. Yeah, it mentions how he got kicked out of class and it was just um, stupid stuff as well, silly stuff. Yeah, but it doesn't it, he doesn't focus too much on on that aspect. Oh. He, he focuses more on what racism can do to a child in school. Okay. Because he even yeah. says real life racism makes you paranoid. Even in children, it creates the dilemma of not knowing mm. if somebody is just being horrible to you in a normal way, mm. as people so often are, mm. or if you're being quote unquote blacked off, as me and my friends called it at the time. <laughs> blacked off. Yeah. So yeah. are you are you being rude to me because you don't like me, or are you being rude to me because you don't like the color of my skin? That's mm. what he was trying to say. And he, he said that's a complex thing to deal with as a child at school. Mm. Are you kicking me out of class because am I actually disruptive? Mm. Like, am I any louder than the other kids mm. or have any more en- energy than the other kids do after a break time, after we just come yeah, back in from yeah, playing football? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. boisterous or... I think, I think if they... I think they perceive it as more of a threat if you're black because I think if... Um, teach, majority of the country is white so majority of the teachers are going to be white um, especially depending on what area you're in but for the most part... Um, he was white maybe he had a few black teachers but I'd say if a group of black boys walked in like three black boys just three friends that were in school and they walked in and they just come in from lunchtime like how was your energy levels meant to be sort of calm it's going to be high three, you've just if, had a f- football whatever yeah, you and just... if three like if three um, white boys came in I wonder if how the teacher would perceive it would they be oh don't worry calm down or would they be more aggressive because they think you're aggressive I remember I think every black boy at school has been called aggressive by a teacher aggressive disruptive even when it's not really you're not you're not intentionally being aggressive or disruptive it's just that's just naturally you have more you just have more energy you're more you're more up to do things but it's just i don't know i guess the schools they don't know how to handle um the students because i think i noticed with black teachers they um they know how to handle you they know how to talk to you so you're less likely to not disrupt but even just because you know, like you, you have a rapport with the teacher. Well, I feel the teacher like that comes in. I feel like that comes from having a teacher from your area. Because a good friend of mine, he's a teacher, and he's from the same area that he teaches in. Mm. So he can relate to ethnic minorities, and he can understand why they act a certain way, or the slang they use, or mm. how they act, why they're acting mm. a certain he way. He can see they, himself. Yeah, they they relate to him. Mm, mm. And he doesn't really have to demand a level of respect because they can look up to him and be like, well, hold on, you're not just somebody who went Oxford or Cambridge or mm. a university miles and miles away and you've come to teach for a year for experience. Like, mm. you're actually somebody who grew up local to us, mm. um, probably went through similar things that we did, yeah, similar that's, struggles, that's, that's the and thing. They, can re- they're, they can look up at you and relate to you. Mm. So you don't... Yes, you'll still have to demand a level of respect in the classroom, but I feel like it's almost natural because they'll look at you, they'll look at there was teachers that I they weren't they didn't have the same heritage as me mm. but I could tell they had similar upbringings so I could always relate to them I feel like there was teachers I could go to and speak to mm. and they were more understanding than yeah. some other teachers yeah. that almost had medieval methods of teaching <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> just, just it, you, you say stuff after them and yeah you yeah. can tell they don't they'll take it in offense yeah um, yeah yeah that's what yeah that's why with uh, when black teachers used to come in it was more, you were just more, I guess you just, I don't know, there was a level of respect. You know, there's certain things like, 
even if you um there's certain things you can't get away with like with black teachers and i think they they at the start what they always do is they establish a level of they say look they will come into the class and say look these things are not going to happen in this classroom so they they lay down the ground rules some of these other teachers they just walk in and think they're just gonna they're gonna run things and then sometimes it's one rule for one student and one rule uh for the other and that has a negative effect like similar to uh, what Akala said and also it mm. puts your mum under pressure who, or whoever the, the parent or parents are in the household mm. um, as mentioned here my mum became extra diligent in observing my relations with the teacher she saw my enthusiasm and behaviour deteriorate and stressed herself out trying to find possible solutions mm. so this is already after she's come in and had the meeting so at this point Akala is still he's effectively fallen off from school his grades are slipping, he's mm. not as sharp, he's not as engaged as he was before. Even mentions here about how his she spoke, speaks to his Saturday school teachers and he's exactly the same there. And this is something that he's passionate about going to, mm. which is... It's, it's, it's a telltale full of black people. Yeah, so, can you, so you're, you're not enjoying school so much that mm. when you get your actual break on a weekend to be around the people that are like you and the people mm. you enjoy being around you don't even like being there or you're not even focused you're mm. just misbehaving you're just acting out as they call it mm. so it shows you how one person because this is he's not talking about all his teachers he's mm. mentioning the worst teacher he's had pretty much had mm. and it it shows you how much of a negative effect okay, one, teacher one teacher can out. have on a child's development and life outside because oh, okay, yeah, if you that. know you've got a teacher for a key subject like English which mm. is almost every day mm. And they really don't like you. And if it's one of your favourite subjects as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certain subjects you knew that you was only going to do for a year or however long the school term was and you were just going to leave. Like certain subjects like RS, RE, um, like PSC, those subjects, their subjects come in blocks. So if a teacher doesn't like you for 12 weeks, however long, you just be like, all right, cool, yeah, we'll just deal with it. But yeah, if it's, if it's a subject like maths and you really enjoy maths, um, it can put people off for the long run. And then they say all kinds of things like I hate maths but it's not necessarily you hate maths you hate the environment you learnt maths in and you hate the teacher maybe or the teacher put you off but um, yeah that makes sense what's another um, chapter that you found interesting or was there what other chapters is, what what, is he, what else does he talk about throughout the, well, the first half of the book really that chapter finishes off um, him mentioning about well it's, it's a it's a bit of a tricky one it mentions about well, it speaks about how the education system mm. wasn't built and designed for black pupils, effectively, because yeah, yeah. you've got an education system that's been in place since the beginning of time. Mm. And then you've got the Windrush generation coming over. Mm. He would have probably been second generation if he was born in the 80s, maybe. Mm. Second or third. Yeah. In, in between. In that, between, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't be like, oh, well, now we've got Caribbean over Caribbeans and black people over here. We're going to mm. put their history in our into our lessons because mm. he talks about how we're still they're still learning about Henry VIII oh like, yeah yeah. it's not yeah no one cares about Henry VIII I don't, not, think, I don't think yeah, Henry VIII doesn't no one cares about him. I don't understand I've never understood why it's important for me to know about a man who had what seven wives yeah six yeah, six, 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 six or seven wives like two and heads. the affairs he had and yeah, the head in and it doesn't yeah, yeah divorce and yeah yeah, yeah that, I, I think that's what that's something it's kind of fun as a child because you're like, yeah, this man chopped off. You're like, wow, it's kind of interesting. But in the long term, it doesn't serve you nothing. Like for you to learn about um, Henry VIII is, 
and the yeah. Tudors and the Romans and the Vikings. I get you should have maybe a foundation of maybe how England or the UK, how it came around and these different... But apart from that, I don't care about these people. Yeah, it says, Nonetheless, my generation of British Caribbeans experienced schooling quite different differently from our parents in a number of ways. Mm. First, I don't think it's a overly harsh gener- uh, generalisation to say that our colonial educated parents generally had more faith in British authorities than our parents have ever come to have. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know what kind of subjects they were teaching history. Even some of the geography subjects, I was like, why am I learning about... I was learning about Birmingham. Like, I didn't care about Birmingham. No disrespect to Birmingham, but geography, I thought that it's about the world and stuff we was learning about like geographic populations yeah and, and uh, the globals in newcastle and yeah i was like what's this kind of yeah this is rubbish it is, learn it, about th- this chapter is is very interesting because if you're from a different ethnic background it does give you an insight of what it is like growing up mm. um as a young black man or i can't really say woman because he doesn't aim at that but i can imagine that they have very similar experiences yeah even to the point where you've got teachers assessing black pupils' academic ability far lower than it actually is set at. It even mentions here, it says, intriguingly, teachers underestimate black British students of African origin by an even greater degree than those who have whose great-grandparents came from the Caribbean, despite the fact that British African students have generally performed better academically. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember in school, people were shocked that I, I remember I had done some creative writing I done it really well, and everyone was like, "Wow, oh my gosh, you got an A!" And I was like, "Yeah, like everyone, yeah." I you I almost, think, I think, it's, I think you would, if you don't do well, it's oh yeah, okay, because you're expected yeah. you not to do well, which in my opinion is nuts. The yeah. fact that you're, we're all starting off. Well, we're not starting off in the same playing field. That's something else that's mentioned. Hmm. We're not all starting off in the same playing field. Yeah, because if you if you're good at maths and you're black, it's like I remember even in school there was there was hardly any black people in the top math set. And it's not necessarily that they weren't, black people weren't, aren't good at maths. It's that I don't think it was, um, I don't think they were pushed or they were taught. It was just like, oh, if you're falling behind, oh, well. We'll like, drop your set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think they, um, yeah, we're very much um, left out of the education. And then it's kind of like, once you do that, then you start messing around, you start skipping lessons. And then before you know it, you're out there, you're out of school. But he said something else that was interesting. But yeah, we'll move on from there. I can't even remember what it, but it was interesting about, um, I think it was something to do with the topics or subjects or something like that. But yeah, we'll keep it moving. What's the, um, what was he, he going to say something else the, um, he said about... What, the class system? Nah, just before, just before you finished, you said that he mentioned... Um, the schooling system, how it's not built for us. Oh, okay. So you said something else. Effect, yeah. So he effectively says the British class and education system feeds off a long and complex relationship where with the empire. And it says white supremacy books mention how it can manifest and shape a child's views and mm. experiences. So mm. you think you're not, you're here studying topics and that were never really designed for you to yeah. prosper and do well. Or even that, even when they teach it, they don't teach you about <clears throat> your role or input in it. So you never see yourself in the, like, if they, if we learn about European history um, as a whole, like we learn about the Greeks and then where did they get the information from? The Egyptians. Then if we learn it properly, like, okay, 
the Greeks went to Egypt to get their knowledge, and then yeah, the Greeks done all this. There would have to be some black input, but it, yeah. the way, in terms of history, the way the schooling, in my opinion, it comes across like there's zero, like there's yeah, the only yeah. history. It's as it's not corny, but it's civil it's, rights. I, I I could probably go to a school now when they're teaching history, and it's Rosa Parks yeah. on the bus, yeah, Martin yeah. Luther King, yeah. I had a dream. They probably won't touch on Malcolm X because he's probably a bit too. They'll mm. maybe say he's a bit radical. Oh yeah, they they have um, like a paragraph. They're Malcolm definitely not going to talk about the Black Panther movement. Not going to talk about the nation. Yeah, um, learn a bit about Muhammad Ali. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. It was um, that's it. You don't hear about uh, the Moors. You don't hear about um, and you might hear about. Well, you'll probably hear about okay, black people are slaves. Yeah, but even that is is done very, like I remember. I think it was a month we learned about slavery. And even that subject was, it wasn't preached well. Like, no, not saying I was, they made me feel small in that classroom. Even though I knew, like they made us watch Roots. I was like, why are we watching this film? I'd seen it before and I was like, oh gosh, why are we watching this film? I was like, the student's just going to mock it. Like, you know, 13, 14 year olds are just going to mock Come it. Come like, was that oh, you? Oh, you're Kunta Kinte. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this or that. That's, everyone was calling the people Kunta Kinte. They're like, Kunta, they're calling me Kunta Kinte. And that's something that, um, it triggers you because you're like, yeah, it happened, but they don't show. It's all negative. They don't show the positive impact that um, black people done throughout that time. Well, it he does. That's we're skipping a, a topic, but whilst it's on mine, hmm. he does talk about how when they in later on in history in school they talk about how a man named William Wilberforce, who is just a British politician at the time, hmm. they all make out like he came along and he said slavery is bad. Slavery's ended. He abolished hmm. it. I think there was even a movie about it um, that I briefly watched in school in a history class. It, it effectively makes out like a man called William Wilberforce came, mm. wrote savior, lots of yeah. documents and said slavery is bad. And everyone said, you know what, actually slavery is bad. Mm. When what actually happened is you had people in Britain at the same time as him mm. who were not writing, but it was uproar because... Mm. It was, yeah, it was a, a worldwide the, business. Yeah, yeah, a lot this of the was, lords. This is what they don't had, understand. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a worldwide business. They had money. Um, they were talking about, oh, well, how are you going to cover the profits if we stop this? So, yeah, yeah. Um, we're losing merchandise. Bearing in mind, we're talking about human beings, but mm. oh, we're losing merchandise. Um, it doesn't talk about how there were up the biggest. I think the biggest uprising, slave uprising, was in Haiti. Yeah, um, there was there was loads in Haiti. Uh, yeah, and loads. they were saying how for years the France. I think the French were trying to take back the castle that the Haitians had but they couldn't do oh, it successfully okay, yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah the Haitians beat everyone they beat the, the French the English the Dutch the Spanish they beat all of them they beat all the Europeans but then in turn they punished them because they raised the taxes and they charged them over and over again which is why now you see Haiti as a country that is quite poor yeah it's yeah they'll never give haiti they'll they'll never send aid to haiti no, or something that's happens. why it's it's, it's, it's yeah. um it makes sense because even with the <laughs> haiti they had, yeah yeah pretty much they'll, they'll hold that grudge to them yeah so they, um, he does talk about that and haiti also helped other caribbean islands um haiti helped i think they helped jamaica yeah no they did they yeah he speaks Grenada. about how they, they, they helped, helped jamaica. i think saint vincent they helped barbados yeah the haitians were i think maybe even the cubans because there, there was revolts all over um, all over the Caribbean. I don't know much about yeah. South America. This but. is it. So it says, it says, if you learn three things during your education in Britain about transatlantic slavery, they will be Wilberforce set Africans free, Britain was the first country to abolish slavery, and they did so for 
primarily for moral reasons, Africans sold their own people. So it says yeah. the the first he said the first two statements are, are nonsense, and the third is a serious oversimplification. So if we start on the last point, Africans sold their own people. I remember watching Roots when I was younger, and I believe there was a scene where an old lady, um, it turned out like an old an old African lady showed the um, white invaders where her village was. Mm. Effectively, I'm assuming so she could stay alive. Mm. And then they came and they took the slaves. Mm. But what Akala talks about is how they were put into certain... They were almost, The slave masters came over and actually bargained with them and said, look, can you give us a family and we'll leave you alone mm, kind mm. of thing. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I'm coming, here's some gold and that's it, sell 10 slaves. It wasn't mm. like that. Yeah, yeah, it was very sneaky. Yeah, it was very sneaky. There was yeah. a lot of things going on like that. So they just oversimplify how, yeah, okay, Africans, they just gave up their own people. Mm. Try, and that's how history is, has it written. Mm. Yeah. Also talks, yeah, there's a lot of trickology and lying and saying, oh, yeah, we'll do this, we'll, we'll bring you this and, yeah this tribe has got this or this tribe gave us this so yeah and they said your, they said like your brothers are on this island or your family's on this island we'll take you to we'll take you to see them yeah but Stuff really like they're that. not yeah yeah this chapter is a lot about what's that chapter called this chapter is empire and slavery in British memory mm. this chapter alone will, will need a whole is that, a, is that quite a is that a long it's chapter a very long chapter oh. talking about Winston Churchill William Wilberforce, transatlantic slavery, uh, the Haitian Revolution, trafficking, when slavery was abolished, slavery in Denmark, Spaniards, South America. Yeah, Portuguese. Yeah, Portuguese. It's very detailed. But a topic that really I didn't know about because I wasn't alive at the time Hmm. um, it's Linford's lunchbox. Oh yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you've heard about that I've, before. I've, I've heard. I think when did I think I learned about that in school? You know, but I can't remember um, what subject. I think it was PE because I done um, GCCP. I think it's GCCP. Yeah, I think it's called that. I so GCCP. Yeah, they spoke about that. Effectively, it was the ninety. 19- I think it was nineteen ninety three. It was yeah. It was a ninety two. Oh, 92. It was the ninety two um, Olympics. Olympics. Mm. And instead of focusing on Linford Christie's performance. Mm. They wanted to focus on his genitalia in mm. in amongst in the media. So it wasn't that he was on the podium the next day. It was oh, Linford's lunchbox, Linford this, Linford that. Oh, they used to zoom in on his shorts. Yeah, they were zooming in on his shorts, and it was just a, like a fascination, mm. which is very odd. Yeah. And Akala speaks about how it's almost to discredit and take away from his achievements, because mm. this is a quote from France. Fanon, one is no longer aware of the Negro, but only of a penis. The Negro is eclipsed. He is turned into a penis. He is a penis. Who said that? Uh, uh, an author? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bit wild. Uh, a few authors speak on that. Um, I've heard Frances Cress Wilson in the paper. She speaks on the fascination that um, Europeans um, had for the black genitalia and how just she um, related to like weird things like sometimes they would just cut the man's balls off because they saw it as like a sign of power and they were fascinated by it. Um, I think she mentions in the book, that's why they smoke cigars. I think she relates to something like that. Like it's a, it's like a symbol of power. Like I've got it. I'm, you have to read it for yourself when you get the chance to, but the way she talks about the black genitalia, I think it's evident. I think it's even permeated through society. Like you'll hear people talk about, oh, black men have big penises and this, and even just, white people when they go abroad like you see white people when they go to these countries um in in africa i can't remember what they're called i think they've got a name where they go to these um 
African countries and these white women just go and just have sex with these black men because they're um, supposedly well endowed downstairs. So I think that's something that is still very much in the minds of just Europeans and white people. Even he talks about, um, obviously after Linford won, um, that summer there was a hose pipe ban and there's cartoons um, calling him Linford Christie, the hose pipe inspector. And it was clearly pointing to a bulge in his shorts and saying, there's a whole hose pipe burn, you know, like it's just silly yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. He says it's just an, ob- yeah. It, yeah, it's an obsession that, um, went on and it's like 10 ways. There was a book that says, or a feature in the sun that's entitled 10 ways to pack your lunchbox like Linford. Like it's just almost to discredit that he's just become one of the best athletes of all time. Or if you mm. go to the Olympics, that is pretty much. So instead of focusing on his achievements in the Olympic men's 100 metres, mm. which is probably the most popular event at the Olympics, mm. you want to focus on like his privates. Mm. And it's almost to discredit, or in my opinion, it's to discredit what he's done. Mm. Another point I want to touch on, I think we've spoken about this before. I don't know if a lot of people will remember this documentary, but in it's online. You'll still be able to watch it. It's a documentary called survival of the fastest by michael johnson mm. i think he found out he was from angola I yeah think. that was it he was he talking about his yeah, his roots. heritage yeah roots in angola. and funny enough that documentary <coughs> came on just before the olympic finals in yeah, 2012 they, i remember they went to jamaica as well to find out where the jamaican sprinters were from yeah yeah and it's like it's weird because you've got a sport that's dominated predominantly by Caribbean mm. um, black Caribbean men mm. so it's like they can't just be good at not sprinting just, there has to be not just black Caribbean it's black Americans as well yeah so yeah so but there has to be an explanation as to why it is so yeah similar to when Jesse Owens did what he did mm. and when Hitler wasn't happy at all mm-hmm. it's like why how is it like that you you're not from the so-called perfect race but you still manage to beat my athletes like what is the reason like there mm. has to be some form of explanation mm. so I find it weird how you would before an olympic final you would put on a short documentary or clip about slavery and sprinters well sort of saying like sort of nullifying like yeah like why would it's not it's not Mm. i didn't i remember watching the program and i didn't really like it because i didn't think it was necessary at the time it was interesting to find out where he's from yeah but it was almost to justify his achievements but i'd say that it, it um there is some studies out there that say Black men do have high levels of testosterone, and through that, they're able to they're able to physically dominate in areas that um, people from other races and other nations aren't because of their um, high levels of testosterone. I, I, I don't know. I haven't studied it or read up enough. It of says, it. well, this this bit here says the program made the controversial suggestion that a side effect of the slave trade may have been to accelerate natural selection as only the fittest could survive the brutal process, resulting in a population predisposed to a superior athletic performance. See, I partially do agree with with that because of the the torture that... And because of how... What happened during slavery, like, they did... They did breed the big um, or the stronger woman with the stronger man to get um, time and time again to yeah. get and then um, people make jokes about it and that's how you've got plays in the NFL um, and stuff like that like how were they so big and strong and explosive and those kind of things so I do kind of there, there's truth in everything and I do believe there is a bit of truth in when they did say that it has become sort of a survival of the fittest because 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do get that. Not just physically, though, but mentally. To go through all of that and then to still to still look after your family, like to go to see um, lynchings, to see this, to see that. Imagine that the mental stress it puts on someone and then to still be able to look as though or put on a face in front of a child as though nothing happened. So it's not just the physical enhancements to say that um, occurred, but there's definitely a mental, the, 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 the mental strength. If it's applied properly, the mental strength of those of the descendants is um, incredible and it should be that should be something that's um, spoken about not just the physical I think they focus too much on the oh well we breeded the big one with the yeah, big one so now you've got some super, it's the mental aspect as well there's, there's that looking at that even some of the films watching it you can't watch the films like that so imagine seeing that live so and you've made it through and you've passed it all on passed it down to your children's children so and your ch- your children have seen that you've endured the yeah, worst and so, survived it yeah so the mental strength is the strong have sur- survived so I think that should be spoken about more I think as well, going back to Linford Christie, he it says about how he made his feelings unclear, um, clear. Sorry about the distasteful nature and how he he didn't like the yeah. whole lunchbox thing. It's a bit embarrassing. And he's, so he's basically said this on TV, mm. and he's pretty much broken down. And it's quote unquote, he's been called a big girl's blouse. So it it kind of mm. shows that even if you are this masculine. Mm. six foot powerhouse it doesn't matter if you're feeling the type of way about mm. a situation then you come forward mm. and then that somebody's like man up yeah they say man up and it's like, like you but the thing is what mm. makes it worse is this is a problem i feel in the black community mm. that you can't open up open up about certain mm. issues because it's kind of like well it's not frowned upon but why are you crying for you yeah yeah how many caribbean boys or black boys have heard that line before mm. Uh, I, why are you crying? I haven't given you anything to cry about as a child, like. Yeah, I think that's different though. That's when you're getting, I think that's when you're getting um, lashes. But yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, the um, not being able to open up because you'll be perceived as like perceived as weak, amongst amongst people amongst um, people within your community and outside your community. Like I think if people saw a man crying on a bench that was six foot four and um, quite big, and, and then they saw mentally. Yeah, they would say, like, why can't... His size doesn't matter. If he's crying, he's crying. Like, if, And then if they saw someone that was smaller, they'd say, oh, yeah, it makes sense as to why he's crying. But the the bigger man could have seen something a lot more worse. So, yeah, that's something in society and something all of us need to, how do I say, uh, break down and destroy. Yeah, it sounds... It, the book sounds quite... The book sounds like quite a, a deep, extensive... It is. There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot to it. There is. So you probably have to... It's one of those books where you probably have to... You have to read it multiple times, yeah. and you have to take your time reading it. It's not. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest you pick up this book and think, "Oh, I'm going to read this in a week or mm. two weeks," because there's mm. a lot of knowledge in here. If you only read half a chapter or a chapter a night, and then you go and research what you've read, or you go and actually make notes and think about why he said what he said, mm. because for the purpose of this episode, we wouldn't it's near on impossible to cover everything in, mm. even in these some of these chapters alone yeah yeah um because similar to linford christie's experience he speaks about um former world heavyweight world champion frank bruno's experience mm. um being a the battles he faced of mental health mm. um which he later came out with but being in the public eye a lot 
especially leading up to his fight with Tyson and how he was perceived, people calling him an Uncle Tom, mm. other derogatory terms, um, just because of his persona, to the point where he broke down on an interview after, I think, I believe it was after a fight, and he kept saying, I'm not an Uncle Tom, I'm not an Uncle Tom, mm. because he didn't have the support of the black nation, mm. which is nuts when you think of it. You're a heavyweight world champion, but mm. you're more concerned that black people in your country support you then they don't support you they yeah you're more concerned that they don't support you than mm. you actually having the world title yeah i think that would you, you'd want you'd want to come amongst your people and yeah. be embraced by your people shows I, you how important it is yeah yeah it definitely does so so far you've read um you've read just over half but we've just reviewed half that's um, we've just covered would you two so f- chapters so far would you recommend the would you recommend the book 100% I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I'd rec- mm. I would um I would recommend it to anyone that wants to learn about British history, mm. um, including well, black British history mm. experiences that Akala had growing up because a lot of them for myself they are very relatable. Yeah, I think yeah, some of the even some of the Saturday school I've been to Saturday school, um, some of the situations in, I think all black boys can relate. Um, to the school situations because I think we've all had the same no matter where we went to school in London Birmingham I think some areas have had it worse but um, we all have commonalities about um, our school experiences and interacting with teachers and the curriculum and such I think we've all we've all been kicked stop, out of science stop, that's like, something stopped. It's, it, I, we, I didn't touch on it before it talks about how he was stopped and searched yeah. just for no reason at all like because he can yeah just and that's held up against a wall and have, have had now. his pockets turned out and yeah. you're thinking he's on his way home from school and he oh, said wow. he after a while he got to a point where he was just getting stopped and searched all the time mm. um that's something that but it's just got he just got numb to it because he's just like oh here we go again kind of thing yeah yeah uh touches on also how just that generation doesn't seem to have much faith in the police because it's like they're there to protect and uphold the law but you're actively going out to try and harass me harass young black teenagers and black men in general yeah 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 so we'll do uh part two we'll definitely do a part two and um and then get your final reviews of the book in in its totality but um so far so far very good book yeah fight to the rate out of five it would be four and a half so far yeah Yeah, i can't fault it at all i haven't read it and thought oh what's he going on about all this (laughs) this is boring or this is irrelevant. Like, I feel mm. every chapter I'm learning something new. Mm. Is it is it easy to read? Like, the fluidity is... It, it is. Yeah, it is. It is easy to read. It is easy to read. probably well, because it's put, relatable it's, as well. Yeah, and it's put together well. Mm. Obviously, the like, for example, the situation with Linford Christie, I didn't I didn't know about that. Yeah, a lot then of why would I know about yeah, that a situation? Yeah. A lot of young people don't even know who Linford Christie is. Or Frank Bruno. Like, why, yeah. But why would you? Because it's not... Unless your parents take upon you and say, oh, you, when you're watching the Olympics, oh, yeah back in my day or mm. when I was younger Linford Christie was the man or mm. Frank Bruno won the heavyweight title or mm. Lennox Lewis you hear these names but you don't actually no. many people there's probably not a lot of people who've gone on YouTube and said let me actually watch Linford Christie mm. race mm. or let me watch Frank Bruno fight it's mm. just names you hear yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I thought Frank Bruno was American I don't know yeah no I, I didn't even know I didn't even know he was a heavyweight champ as well yeah he was he was yeah. but yeah uh, tune in to next week we will be uh, probably reviewing the rest of this book. Yeah. Um, and then we'll take it from there.